baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Really, in order to find quality care, you often have to be on a wait list that's months long. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. The aggressive advocates who were looking to overrule Roe for so long, they really had no idea of the consequences they might be opening up. In this case, there very well may be charges that are appropriate. For example, trying to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress, right? That is unlawful. This is KCBS In-Depth. When the pandemic hit, the Bay Area's downtowns largely cleared out as businesses were forced to shut down and office workers began working from home. Of course, little by little, urban life has picked back up. But even three years on, we still haven't returned to anything like what normal used to be. And with remote work now becoming permanent for many, it's seeming less and less likely that we ever will. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Mancone. So what happens if people don't come back to downtown? It's a question that's been asked with increasing urgency in recent weeks, especially in San Francisco, where the term doom loop has now been added to everyone's vocabulary list. The worry that if downtown business dries up, local tax revenue will also shrink meaning there will be less money for city services to make downtown areas livable, and as a result, more businesses will fail. And on and on the doom loop goes. It's an unnerving possibility. But some say this moment is also offering up an opportunity to reimagine what our downtowns could be. So today on the program, we'll be speaking with local urban advocates and economists to hear from them how they think Bay Area cities should respond to the remote work revolution. To start off the conversation, we're going to try to get a handle on what's really going on in our urban cores. To help us out, welcoming on our first guest, who is someone who has his uh, finger on the pulse of the Bay Area economy. That would be Jeff Belisario, the executive director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. That's an economic research group associated with the Bay Area Council. Uh, Jeff Belisario, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Keith. So I know that you and your colleagues have been uh, crunching the census data and conducting surveys to get a sense of how far the Bay Area's pandemic recovery has progressed uh, up to this point. What's the picture that you're getting? Well, we we released a report uh, last month in conjunction with CBRE, the commercial real, real estate firm, that looked at the top 25 metro areas by by GDP and tried to rank uh, their recovery on on 15 key metrics. So we looked at things like jobs. Uh, jobs in tech, uh, people, workforce, uh, investments in venture capital and real estate, uh, relative affordability, uh, and economic activity. Uh, and, and what we found of those 25, the San Francisco metro area ranked 24th and the San Jose metro ranked 16th. Uh, now, all that mm-hmm. is 
is relative to where we were pre-pandemic, right? The only metro below in San Francisco was Baltimore. That's not to say Baltimore mm -hmm. and San Francisco have comparable economic activity, but compared to where we were in 2019 in our recovery, um, our metro areas have been slow to recover in terms of jobs. Um, we've had some of the largest people, uh, population losses of any, any metro areas in the U.S., uh, and in particular, our commercial real estate uh, has been uh, impacted significantly with very high vacancy rates, both in San Francisco and San Jose. Well, and, and again, it seems like remote work uh, really is playing a central role in all this. You know, whether people are staying at home because they just need to zoom into work at this point, or, you know, whether they've perhaps left the city, left the region entirely, just because they're not tethered to that physical location anymore. Uh, either way, that's less food traffic downtown, fewer dollars that are going into downtown, and uh, fewer customers for those downtown businesses that rely on them. So uh, really, uh, the remote work switch, uh, pivotal here. Yeah, I think, you know, all, all of this, I think, is driven by remote work. And part of that is that we we were shut down here in our region for a longer period of time than, than other places. So many people got very used to working remotely and not going into an office setting. Uh, the other piece of that are our, our downtowns are very reliant on, on office jobs. When, when you look at San Francisco in particular, compared uh, to other jurisdictions, the, the amount of space dedicated to offices is a bit larger uh, than other large cities across the U.S. So uh, given that, uh, and, and I think that the tech economy too is the third piece, right? Like we, we do have a larger percentage of jobs that can be done remotely uh, because we are so heavily reliant on tech. Um, so with the surveys that we've been doing of our, uh, our employers at the Bay Area Council, uh, you know, they're saying roughly 20% of their workforce is moving to fully remote, 40% uh, between two and three days a week. So uh, it's definitely a situation where we don't see uh, that full five-day week office usage coming back. Uh, but we do see more and more uh, employers bringing people back to the office. We do see hybrid structures taking hold. And we have seen some positive numbers recently in terms of people coming back to offices. So... That's an interesting trend line. We're seeing maybe a blip back towards the 2019 version of normalcy. But it, it the sense I'm getting is overall, we shouldn't expect a full return on that front. We are in very much a new normal here. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's right, and I think that's that's something that we've been working on at the council is you know what what does what, what do our urban centers look like going forward? And I think it's not just the San Francisco or San Jose problem. This is happening across the country. It does seem to be ha being. Uh, particularly acute in San Francisco, given the the remote work percentages that we're seeing. Uh, but I, I do think we're concerned about BART and Caltrain with low ridership. You know, we're concerned about the financial structures of our cities because they rely on people coming in, spending money. Uh, they rely on property taxes generally going up. Uh, so it, it does seem to be like we're in a position where you know, we can be rethinking our next wave of growth uh, and ensuring that we don't go into that doom loop. I think doom loop is an interesting phrase because it, it feels inevitable. Uh, when in fact, we, we might just be at the bottom part of a cycle where we can now work our way back up. All right. Well, we're going to uh, take that optimistic start to this conversation and see how long we can keep it going. Uh, we have a, a lot more to get through, but that introduces, I think, a lot of the main threads that I'm hoping to explore in this conversation. Uh, to help us explore it all a little bit more, we're going to welcome on the rest of our panel. First up, welcoming on Alicia John-Baptiste. She's the CEO of SPUR, the Bay Area-focused urban planning think tank. Lisa John-Baptiste, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Keith. Also welcoming on Ted Egan. He's San Francisco's chief economist. Ted Egan, welcome to you as well. Thanks very much, Keith. All right. Well, starting off with you, Alicia, uh, we just, I think, set the table a little bit in terms of 
what the economic outlook is looking like right now in the Bay Area, and we've thrown out that term doom loop. How worried are you about the prospects for a doom loop in the Bay Area's large cities? Well, I think the the name says everything. A doom loop would be bad. We don't want to go back <laughs> to the days uh, that we experienced in the 1960s and the 1970s when people started fleeing urban centers and really sort of leaving behind only those people who had no other options and kind of bottoming out the the municipal capacity to actually care for the people who remained. That's not the future that we want to have. But to Jeff's point, I also don't think that it's an inevitable future. I think the experience mm. that we've had in these past few years has really begged the question why we make the choices that we do when we have the option to either work from home or work from the from the office. And being in the Bay Area where we have all of this incredible natural beauty, we have a, a culture of innovation and creativity, we have incredible urbanist dynamism across all of the big cities of this region. We oftentimes haven't had to think about why people choose to be here. And frankly, I think it's helpful for us to be asking and answering that question again, because it allows us to reimagine and recreate our downtown so that they serve more people, so that they have more on offer and become places that people make a choice to return to rather than feeling like they are forced to be there. Yeah, that is an interesting point. I mean, for so long, I think uh, a lot of Bay Area residents felt like, well, this is really the only show in town. I, I sort of have to be here. And now that there is this escape hatch for many, um, I, I think the cities are going to have to fight a little bit harder to make their case. Um, and uh, there is, uh, as uh, as you say, uh, a, a lot of opportunities to uh, square this circle and figure it out. And we have been hearing a note of confidence coming from the top in San Francisco uh, faced with some of these concerns San Francisco Mayor London Breed uh, released a statement a little bit back saying, quote, uh, it's easy to throw out dire predictions about the death of downtown, but that's not our reality and it's not going to happen, end quote. So again, a little bit of confidence there from Mayor London Breed. Uh, Ted Egan, again, San Francisco's chief economist, uh, do you share that uh, sense of confidence? Well, I mean, I certainly think that the term doom loop is 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 a little bit over the top given where we are right now um mm. certainly is true that we have a lot of vacant office space um but our unemployment rate is below three percent uh we had healthy job growth last year we had healthy sales tax growth across the city and even in downtown we had double digit sales tax growth so i think what i would characterize uh as happening in san francisco is a slow recovery from a very unique pandemic experience in which, you know, as Jeff notes, we had uh, stronger public health controls in other places, which which gave us the lowest COVID death rate of any major city, um, but also hit really hard our leisure and hospitality industry, which is which is most of what hasn't recovered in San Francisco. Um, we, we are seeing, though, a major budget deficits forecast in the coming years, uh, topping over a billion uh, towards the end of the decade. So, I mean, there, there is a considerable, considerable budget shortfall that San Francisco is facing. There's no question that there's, that there's economic pain caused by all of this. I just don't think that at this point, it's, it's, a, it's, it's accurate to say that we're kind of in a downward spiral. I mean, mm -hmm. I think the thing about the tax revenue that we're forecasting, it's from reduced property tax. Um, and that's not surprising, as we've been talking about with work from home, 
people just don't value office space as much as they used to. And so it's not going to be worth as much. And ultimately, it's not going to pay as much tax. Um, that's a, that is a reality the city is going to have to deal with. But that's different than saying, well, no, the city is 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 going down the tubes, which I just I see certain I, I certainly see risks. I certainly see things the city has to get right in the years to come that, that are going to be tricky decisions. But it's certainly not and not inevitable. And I don't think it's likely that we'll enter a downward spiral. All right. Well, a lot more to explore there real quick. Uh... For anybody who just might be joining us, this is KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Manconi. Today on the program, reimagining the Bay Area's downtowns in the age of remote work. We're getting perspective on the best way to avoid a downtown doom loop from Jeff Belisario, the executive director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Also hearing from Alicia John-Baptiste. She's the CEO of Spur. And we just heard a second ago from Ted Egan, San Francisco's chief economist. So, uh, one thread that we have introduced but uh, probably haven't explored qu- quite enough yet is that of transportation. Uh, Alicia John-Baptiste, um, so it sounds like uh, BART and other transit agencies may be facing a doom loop scenario of their own where essentially ridership had, took a huge hit as a result of the pandemic. So uh, fares have gone down. And if fares are down, then that could force these transit agencies to also drop service. And if service drops, well, then uh, people may want to ride them even less. So uh, and, and, and then that's connected to the prospects that we're talking about when it comes to our downtown areas, because if it all of a sudden becomes more difficult to get to these downtown areas, that could cause some problems, too. So uh, curious for your thoughts, uh, Elisa John-Baptiste, on what the outlook is for transport in the Bay Area. Yeah, it's such an important topic. If if you live in the Bay Area, whether you use transit or not, you benefit from transit. And that's because the more people who take transit, the fewer people there are driving alone in their cars on the road, causing congestion. It just makes it easier for everybody to get where they want and need to go. We also have really important and ambitious climate goals in the Bay Area and within the state of California. And there's no way for us to meet those climate goals if we can't have a high functioning transit system. And this particular issue of transit facing such a significant hit to its revenues because people's travel patterns have changed is just incredibly important. And and one of the things that we at Spur have been putting most of our time and attention into is really finding the solution that can bridge the gap between where we are today, where people have really started to make different choices and how they get around and where they're traveling to, and where we ultimately need to be, which is to continue to have transit as not only a service that's available to people, but one that is a preferred form of travel. And that requires us to actually make some significant public investment so that transit can be the preferred alternative. So I think that there is a a need for not only the Bay Area to address this, but also the entire state of California is grappling with this same issue. And so we have been working closely also with the Bay Area Council on um, looking for solutions that might involve state support to kind of bridge the gap as we as we work through this issue over the coming years. Are you hopeful that state funding might be forthcoming? Uh, there, there has, of course, been a lot of scrutiny on BART, for example, for uh, how it's been managed, how it's been uh, spending its uh, money. Uh, is, is, is there appetite in the states to invest more in the Bay Area, uh, especially when ridership is uh, so far down? I mean, uh, would, would, would folks in Sacramento think that that money is going to be used well? 
I think state leadership understands how critical transit is, both for our climate goals as well as, frankly, our economic vitality. There is no strong economic recovery in the Bay Area if people can't actually get where they need to go. This was a major constraint on the region in the pre-pandemic days where we just had such difficulty moving around. And our discussions so far with state leadership have indicated that people understand just how critical this is. All right. Well, uh, let's start the part of our conversation where we start talking about uh, solutions and how we could uh, confront these challenges that we've now laid out so well. And uh, I guess uh, we'll just take it one at a time and uh, start off with Alicia John-Baptiste again. Uh, so uh, I guess the floor is yours. Where, where do you see the, 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 the biggest, most important responses coming from to uh, allay some of these uh, doom loop scenarios? I think that we've seen some really strong leadership uh, at the city level um, both from elected officials as well as from the civic sector, a lot of representation from you know nonprofit organizations such as my own, but also from business leadership, arts and culture organizations, the tourism industry, everybody who has a stake in downtown, I think has been really um, starting to come together to think about how do we move the needle forward. One thing that that to me is going to be really important as we continue this process is to understand that while we historically have thought of downtown as the central business district, the place that you go to work, we should really be thinking about downtown as our central social district. We live in a region that is remains highly segregated. And one of the things that we saw during the pandemic was how important it is to have a place that is kind of a central gathering space for the people of the region to come together across difference. We saw it when people came together to celebrate. We also saw it when people came together to protest. As we think about what our downtown is for going forward and who it serves, to me, the most important component of this is thinking about the um, the ability for people to come together to socialize. Celebration, protest, just grabbing dinner, experiencing arts and culture, entertainment. There are many, many reasons to be in a place where you get to have the opportunity to come across other people. Um, and that goes beyond work. It's a really important component. Work is a component, important component, but the social aspect of it, I think, is going to have to be central. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting reimagining of what uh, the downtown areas can be for if, you know, if, if, if the jobs aren't taking place there anymore, are there uh, other parts of our lives that can take place there that, you know, perhaps can only take place in a vibrant downtown kind of urban area? Uh, Jeff Belisario, again, with the Bay Area Council Economic Institute, what what direction would you go in to help uh, paddle our way out of this doom loop? Well, I, I think a lot of what we talk about at the Bay Area Council revolves around jobs, particularly in our downtown areas. Um, so I, I know the mayor's office has put forward a couple uh, tax proposals that would make it uh, more attractive for new companies to locate within the downtown area. I think that's that solution one is just uh, move to fill up our offices uh, with companies again. And then I think two... Uh, so do you think that that's that that's possible? I mean, there has been a lot of questions about just given the age that we're in and the fact that many companies are going to only two days a week or even less, uh, that it may just be impossible to fill these office buildings back up. Well, I think I think that's what we need to be 
thinking about going forward. But I think at this point in time and where we are in the cycle, I think there are still things that the city can do, whether it's incentives, you know, working on just the cleanliness and attractiveness, you know, working with BART and making sure that your commute into the city is one that you want to do. Again, making the city a place where you feel like you want to be as opposed to you have to be for work. I think that's where we should start. But I think looking longer term, yeah, adding diversity to the economy in, in the downtown areas, I think, is key. So whether that's you know, looking at more biotech or light R&D type uses, whether that's different arts and entertainment or healthcare uses. So I think that the issue that that we're seeing is that we we have not been diverse enough to grow back in the same ways that other places have that have more diverse downtown economies. Mm. Um, so as we think about rebuilding, it's about rebuilding with those jobs and those uses uh, that, yes, are, are open and available to everyone, but also add diversity to that downtown economy. Interesting. So some jobs really do need to be done in person and uh, a more diverse uh, jobs portfolio, so to speak, uh, may not um, be hit quite so hard by this uh, work from home uh, revolution. Uh, Ted Egan, again, San Francisco's chief economist. Um, so uh, interested for your thoughts on all this, but especially kind of focusing on on, on one angle uh, of the problem, I mean, we're hearing a lot about what sorts of investments should you, cities should be making to make the downtown areas more attractive. But if we're talking about a shrinking tax base, how do we how do we accomplish that? You know, how do we do more with less? Well, I mean, I think it starts with sort of doing the basics and doing the basics well. Um, again, I, I think you know the city and and our partners in the region and the state have a few decisions to make to make sure that the, the city's recovery doesn't go off the rails. One of which that's important to the city is making sure that downtown is a, a fun and attractive place to be. Part of that's under our control. Part of it depends on businesses starting up again and offering you know the range of amenities and activities that we saw before. I think one of the challenges to rebuilding a more diverse economy downtown is that it's actually the non-office sector downtown that's been hit the hardest. It's the restaurants, it's the retail, um, uh, arts related activities. And so we, you know, we need an engine to get those activities to back to where they were before. It's also true for the housing market. Housing downtown has been, has been hit harder than, than virtually anywhere else in the country. Um, so I really think the solution is, um, you know, waiting and encouraging and, and facilitating a recovery uh, of the office market and an adjustment there to the to the new reality. As Jeff says, that will probably involve um, uh, winding up with new types of tenants that weren't there before the pandemic um, because businesses are reducing their footprint. And so I think and I'm hopeful that we'll wind up with a more diverse office sector uh, when that adjustment has taken place. But what we need to do is make sure that things don't go off the rails. And that's making sure that downtown remains um, an attractive and fun place for people to be during work and after work. Um, to make sure that the transit service is there, as we've talked about, to make sure that taxes, you know, any any sort of revenue pressure that the city feels, we can't be kind of instinctive of saying, okay, we just need to raise taxes because taxes are a relative disadvantage for San Francisco already and businesses have options, um, particularly in a world of remote work. Some of the good news for us is that we haven't seen, you know, you mentioned earlier about the the white collar workers moving away, they haven't really moved outside of the region. And hmm. one of the things that's been very different about this is that it's really the low wage workers who've moved away. Um, hmm. And that's a big problem because those are the those are the workers that we need 
to create and support the businesses that we want to have a vibrant downtown. So um, I'm very concerned about that, but I'm less concerned about uh, the sort of high wage workforce. I think that in time that will resettle in downtown, but it may take it may take some time. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Once again, this is KCBS In-Depth, your weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today we are discussing urban doom loop fears and trying to find a way for the Bay Area's cities to adapt to all the changes that have come along with the pandemic. Our guests are Jeff Belisario, the executive director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute, Alicia John-Baptiste, CEO of SPUR, and Ted Egan, San Francisco's chief economist. And uh, keeping things with Ted Egan for one more second, uh, one possibility that has been thrown out for reconfiguring San Francisco's downtown and uh, other cities as well is to convert some of that office space into apartments, uh, uh, housing units. Um, and this sounds like it's would be a fairly complicated process, but there has been some attention on this uh, from the top, and including from uh, the mayor, who's uh, advancing measures that would, I, I suppose, uh, make that process a little bit easier to uh, accomplish. Uh, so, you know, if, if people could live downtown, that would be one way to bring more people back to the downtown area. Ted Egan, how, how far could that go as a solution? Uh, actually, we really don't know. I mean, it is true that people are talking about it, not just in San Francisco, but all around the country. Um, there isn't a lot of it actually happening. And uh, I think one of the reasons for that is it can't happen until you know how much you have to pay for that office building that you want to convert to housing. And right now, particularly in San Francisco, but in many cities, uh, the office market's kind of frozen. And uh, it seems clear that if it does happen, office buildings are going to have to be a lot more affordable than what they're currently being offered for on the market now. And so we're in a little bit of a lull. I understand the, the uh, uh, you know, it, it makes a, a perfect amount of sense to say, hey, this office space is vacant and San Francisco is expensive. Why can't we put those two things together? Yeah. I think the reality, though, the economics of that are particularly challenging in San Francisco. Um, our housing market, as I mentioned, is more depressed than in other places, and our construction costs are very high. So I think if we do see that, it may be a few years out. All right. Well, I want to give closing thoughts to each of you. We are running a little bit short on time, so we're going to have to keep uh, each of these relatively short. But uh, starting off uh, again with Ted Egan, I, I know I've read in interviews with you um, that you actually see some opportunities, perhaps even silver linings uh, for the current predicament that the Bay Area is in. Unpack that a little bit. What are the opportunities that we might have? Well, I think it's a long run thing. I mean, I don't want to minimize and I'll try and keep this short. We've got a serious economic and fiscal situation for the next few years because of remote work. But by the same token, people being able to do work remotely and be productive working out of their homes 
kind of solves what were major impediments to the Bay Area's continued economic growth before the pandemic. We didn't have enough office space. We didn't have enough housing and it was too expensive. And our transportation infrastructure was full. And now we're moving into an environment in which people need less office space. Uh, they can live further away and, and less expensive housing, and they don't put as much transportation load on the system uh, for work-related reasons. So potentially, once we sort of get through this adjustment, I think uh, work from home could be good for the Bay Area economy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that does make a, a lot of sense. Uh, Alicia John-Baptiste, so if the name of the game right now is to try to navigate this uh, bumpy road and and make it to a, you know a a version of downtown that can uh, work well with the work from home revolution. Um, how, how how do we navigate that without bottoming out in the meantime? I think in some ways this is a time to say yes to everything. That there are so many good ideas hmm. that are out there in terms of experimentation, what we might try. The whole idea of just having unoccupied space be occupied by pop-ups, for example, is something that the, the mayor has recently proposed and championed. And to me, the important element of moving through these next couple of years will be to not punish ourselves for experimenting. We need to be able to see what works. We need to have a, a certain element of grace in allowing different types of innovative programs to move forward. And that does also mean that instead of taking the stance of let's make it really hard so that we make sure that nothing bad happens, we are willing to say we're going to make it easy to try things out. And if it's not working, then we shift gears because this is a moment in time in which, you know, our sort of storied innovative ability really needs to come to bear and we need to give ourselves the space to do that. And Jeff Belisario, I'd be curious, you know, we're, we're, we're talking a lot about uh, white collar jobs, uh, big businesses, tech firms, but really there are stakes here in making a downtown uh, that works uh, for just about everybody. Can you, in, in, in the closing minute that we have left, can you remind our listeners what, why it is important to make good downtowns for the Bay Area? Well, you know, I think we, we don't want to see an economy where you have a top part and a bottom part of the service sector serving that top part of the economy. So the, the more that we can diversify our job base, uh, grow jobs overall, that can provide more opportunity, particularly to those middle wage jobs. Uh, and, I, and I think the other part of that, though, is a housing solution, right? Like we we talk all about jobs, but we also need places to put those workers, and I think we're we're in a moment right now where, uh, you know, where we can work on our housing problem in the state and and make that next wave of growth look more equitable for people across our region and across our downtown. All right. Well, it certainly is an interesting moment that the Bay Area has found itself in uh, a crisis tunity, perhaps uh, we can <laughs> use that word to describe what we're facing, and uh, hopefully. Uh, we will find our way out of this uh, potential doom spiral. Uh, thanking our guests for sharing their perspective on all this. Uh, one last time, we've been speaking with Jeff Belisario, the executive director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. Jeff Belisario, thanks so much. Thank you. Also been speaking with Alicia John-Baptiste, CEO of Spur. Alicia John-Baptiste, thanks to you as well. Thank you. And we were hearing from Ted Egan, San Francisco's chief economist. Ted Egan, thanks so much. Thank you, Keith. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll talk again next week. 
been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.